0: Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. We're here today to discuss, well, the effects of sleep deprivation, both on our psychology, our mental health, and, well, we just, we've really got a lot to get to. We do. We have a lot to do. Well, Vin, you go ahead and kick us off. Where do you want to start? First, I want to say
2: that Americans in general don't get enough sleep. According to the National Sleep Foundation, the older you are, the more sleep you need. For example, older adults 65 and up should get about 7 to 8 hours of sleep. Adults from 18 to 64 should get about 7 to 9 hours of sleep. Teenagers need about 8 to 10, and even younger, still more. And
1: unfortunately that doesn't happen all the time there's another stat that really intrigued me because okay. you said basically which, which at 17 one? hours awake oh yeah you perform as though you're a drunk yes uh, true. Or, or not a drunk but you perform as though you're intoxicated as, as though you are intoxicated yes. so you know many of us stay awake I, I i include myself in this category because we want to be efficient we want to get more mm. done but i i think maybe at hour 18 if i'm performing like i'm intoxicated i'm I'm really just creating more work for when I finally get sleep and realized how crummy the previous work was.
2: Exactly, exactly. But sleep deprivation, you know, in, in addition to making you feel like you're intoxicated or behave like you are, has a whole slew of, of negative effects on you. And I suppose the, the one that is most alarming is accidents. You know, sometimes really, really big ones, like the Exxon Valdez oil spill or Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, things like that.
1: Or a car crash. Car crashes. I, yeah, I think that if we look deep in ourselves, we all know somebody. We and know when I say eyes. know somebody, I don't mean know of somebody. I mean know somebody that we can we can put our hands on that have fallen asleep at the wheel and mm-hmm. and you know gotten an offender bender, you know wrecked their car uh because they were just simply too tired to drive. So that has a financial cost. Let's sure. You know, I, I mean,
2: fortunately, there have been uh, the the uh, Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that there are up to a hundred thousand auto accidents every year that are directly the result of, of drowsy driving. And fifteen hundred and fifty deaths come out of that.
1: That's a lot. It is. That's there there is a website, drowsydriving.org, that covers a lot of these mm-hmm. stats that we just listed. So yes, please do check that out. And of course Two minutes into the show, we've talked about all the reasons that you should get sleep that are really, really good that haven't even touched on the effects of your mental health. You are somebody managing a mental illness. Yeah, these are, I'm really sold just on the, I don't want to wreck my car and have my insurance rates go up. So let's talk about how it affects, let's talk about how it affects our mental health. Now, mm-hmm. first, let, let's kind of section this off to to make sure that we really do it due diligence. Let's talk about how it affects everybody's mental health. So you don't need to have a mental illness diagnosis, bipolar, major depression, schizophrenia, no. etc. You're just a you're just an, an average person walking around, and you're not getting enough sleep. Because remember, mm-hmm. everybody has mental health. You know, men, mental health is not mm-hmm. just something that people with depression have. It's right. everything, one and one. We all have mental health. So, but lack of sleep can contribute to depression. It affects your mood, clearly.
2: I mean, you know, a lot of people, when they don't have enough sleep, they, they start to act irritable, grumpy, whatever word you want to use. It impairs all sorts of different things in that effect.
1: I want to tell a personal story. My my father, who I've talked about before, was a uh, a truck driver. And I say was a truck driver because he retired, not because he passed away. I started getting sympathy cards in the mail when I changed up. My father was a truck driver to my father is a truck driver. <laughs> they, they they thought that he passed away. No, nope, just... Just retired. Dad's alive and well. I, I have this vision that he's standing behind mom right now watching, but in reality, he's probably asleep on the couch watching the history channel. Cause he knows the value of sleep. Because he knows the value of sleep. My father was a truck driver his entire career. And part of being a truck driver is you don't have a set schedule. They, they call you when it's time to drive and you drive. And, and this is how he supported his family and, and he supported all of us. He had, you know, three kids, a, a wife and, and, you know, I needed braces and, one of the things that I noticed is when my father's schedule would get wonky and I'll say, you know, when, when he would be up too late because the call, his, his work call was delayed. So therefore he stayed awake to wake. He would, I love you, dad, but he would, he'd would be a jerk. I mean, just he'd be in so incredibly grumpy. And sometimes he would get home after driving all night. He would get home during the day and he would try to stay up for us to attend our, our plays or sporting events and things like this. And looking back as an adult, I, I'm so glad that he made the decision to be at our functions. But I got to tell you, from a general my father's mood perspective and in us not getting grounded for stupid things, <laughs> he probably should have taken a nap. So I saw the first hands effects of sleep deprivation on my father. And more importantly, after he retired, now he gets normal sleep. His entire demeanor is different. Now there's you know many factors. He's older, he's 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 on a regular schedule, he's not in as much pain, and he's retired. I mean <laughs> that that sounds all kinds of awesome. I'd get a lot more naps too, if I were. But his attitude is different. Better. Much, much improved. Uh the the other thing I want to talk about, of course, is it, he has a CDL, a commercial driver's license, and they aren't allowed to drive for more than a certain number of hours. So even the the federal government, the the licensure board for truck drivers, and I, I know I'm I'm brutalizing the the organizations that are in in charge of this, but they recognize that somebody should not be behind the wheel of an eighteen wheeler for twenty hours straight. They're gonna get themselves killed and 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 take others with them, probably. And, and take others with them. So I, I like to bring that up because that's just. That's just a firsthand experience that I had on vacation. My father was nice and funny and engaging. And during the work week, he wasn't, he was, he was miserable. He was irritable. We'll go with irritable, irritable, irritable. It's a good word. It's a good word. So Vin, let's, uh, let's jump to the the next topic. Mm -hmm. There are many things that lack of sleep affects, and some people are like, well, listen, I, I am I am young and I don't care if after 17 hours I am intoxicated because uh, or I act intoxicated because I, I get more done drunk than the average person does in a day. <laughs> All right. I you know, I, I can respect that. I, I have often felt this way that Gabe Howard being up for 40 hours is still better than the lazy guy downstairs who annoys me because, you know, we, we kind of rationalize our behavior. But but listen. Put that aside. We'll pretend that, that even intoxicated, you're doing fantastic. Here are some of the things that lack of sleep affects that aren't your ability to be productive or efficient in the workplace. Put you at risk for heart disease, heart attack, heart failure, uh, high blood pressure, stroke, diabetes. It weakens your immune system. We already talked about how it can contribute to depression. Weight gain, because less sleep leads to elevations in...
2: So it leads to elevations in ghrelin, uh, which is a hormone that stimulates hunger. your body and it also decreases the production of leptin and leptin is what tells your body that you're you're not hungry anymore
1: it makes your skin look worse they they don't call it beauty sleep for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. but here's the big one it impacts your sex drive i knew
2: you were going to say that was the big one
1: that 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 is the big one i'm telling you if let's be honest this is not to fall down the rabbit hole but these these are things that that we want to keep Mm -hmm. you know, healthy in our relationships, in our lives. After the break, we're going to go ahead and talk about sleep hygiene. And I'm going to tell an interesting story about my own personal sleep hygiene. So we'll be right back.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we are about
1: to discuss good sleep hygiene. Gabe, tell us about your sleep hygiene. Living with bipolar disorder presents, you know, some sleep challenges. I, I've, I've always had insomnia, even back when I was a teenager. Of course, I, I, I always had bipolar. Even when I was a teenager, we just didn't know it. But sleep has always been a challenge for me. And when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and I explained, you know, during, during mania, I'd stay up for, you know, two, three, four, five days at a time my, my, my doctors and my therapist said, you know, this is not okay. You need to practice something called sleep hygiene. And I was confused. I didn't know what sleep hygiene was, but, but I I listened because I, I wanted to get well. I understood the, the effects that I was having. And they said something to me that, that really changed the course of my life. And they said that you should only use your bed for sleep and sex. That's it. Now th- this was very confusing to me. I was a, I was a teenager And in my room, I had everything. I I had a computer. I had books. I had a television. I had cable. I had a stereo. I I did everything in my bed. In fact, I pretty much did everything except sleep and sex when I was a teenager. So this was very confusing to me, but it was explained. It was explained that you want to send a signal to your body when you are in your bed that the only thing to do there is sleep. Uh, In my bedroom now, there's, there's no television. I don't use my phone in bed. In fact, I don't even charge my phone on my nightstand. I charge my phone in a completely other room. Uh, I keep the temperature in that room a good seven or eight degrees cooler than the rest of the house. When I climb into bed, there is nothing to do in there except sleep. And my body knows it. That's good. And that has improved my sleep quality a lot because I have a hard time falling asleep.
2: You know, like you, I had... uh insomnia all throughout college but I kind of blamed it on caffeine at the time because you know you drink caffeine after a certain hour of, of the day and and you just aren't gonna sleep too well right now this scene that we are that, that we' recording this live even though people listening to it right now don't don't see the video but this setting right now the desk the computer and everything used to be in my bedroom until actually not not terribly long ago like in the past month or so but now it is out in a, in a different room, and my bed is just a bed. There are no electronics in there, although I haven't reached your, your level of not charging my phone in there. I, I, I do that, so I'm guilty of that one. Sorry. But there are other things that you should do, too. You should establish a regular bedtime and, and stay at that, that same time, even on weekends when you don't have to get up the next day. Um, it, just, it just helps. Exercising regularly especially in the late afternoon that's the best time for exercise rather than in the evenings you might say well if i if i exercise late in the evening i'm i'm going to get tired and i'm going to fall asleep and it just doesn't work that way no it energizes you it, yeah it, you might feel tired but yeah your body is saying no no we're hyped now
1: then there's eating oh okay. <clears throat> yeah Th- this one i am i i do a poor job with uh, full disclosure i i get many of the sleep hygiene things well but But eating garbage before bed is
2: bad, Gabe. Yeah, bad,
1: Gabe. Bad, Explain. Explain why this is a bad thing. I mean, other than the calories, explain why it's a bad thing for sleep.
2: sure. Eating too close to bedtime runs the risk of getting indigestion, especially if you eat certain types of foods like, you know, things that are spicy, for example. The best late-night snacks, if you must have one, are ones that are rich in minerals. Nuts, for example, uh, make a good nighttime snack. I often will have a uh, little handful of of raw almonds before bed. Alcohol is a bad idea before bedtime, um, in addition to the aforementioned caffeine. Nicotine, too, because nicotine is a stimulant. So if you're a smoker, you know, that could be affecting your sleep as well.
1: In general, it's best about a half an hour before bedtime to do things that don't involve screens. Stop using your phone, stop watching television, stop using your computer, you know, try to read a book, try to spend 15 minutes, you know, I, I call it coming down. I, I have a hard time and, and I, I'm a little bit special. I'm a person who lives with bipolar disorder. So I need to calm down. Now, sometimes I do this calming down ritual, just laying in bed. I I have a I, am I'm fortunate because I, you know, I'm, I'm married and I love my wife. And we go to bed at the same time, you know, we spend 15, 20 minutes, you know, just kind of talking, you know, it's dark, but we talk to each other and then we just kind of slowly uh, fall asleep through that conversation. If you're somebody that lives alone, you know, read a book, but again, don't, don't read the book in bed. Uh, and and frankly, by, by pure sleep hygiene standards, we really shouldn't be carrying on a conversation in bed. So we try to keep it light. We try to keep it really, really, really light. That is not right before bed is not the time to talk about your in-laws. No. You will not fall asleep, especially when you're being kicked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's a good point that had really not crossed my mind.
1: Let's move on to, you know, we've talked a lot about sleep environment. Now, everybody's sleep environment is different, and... For me, I like a pitch black room and I I do mean pitch black and I like my room to be cooler and I like a fan on and I like a lot of blankets. I keep my room intentionally cold so that I can lay under blankets and I sleep with, are you ready? For those playing at home, I sleep with four pillows. Four. I have one body pillow that I keep between my legs. I have another pillow that I sit on top of the body pillow that I hug and then I have two pillows under my head. This is what I do. This is how I sleep. This is the best way for me to fall asleep. But that doesn't mean that it's the best way for you to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So don't go out and buy three regular pillows and a body pillow because that's how Gabe sleeps. Might not be how you sleep. In fact, then he sleeps entirely different. Well, not, not as different as you think. I don't I don't do the four pillow thing. Um, and I,
2: I can't actually have my room pitch black because I have cats. And if I totally cover the windows they will crawl through the blinds and make all kinds of noise and and well that's not good for for sleep you know so i don't do that
1: cats are very problematic to life i mean sleep hygiene i mean sleep hygiene cats are problematic for sleep hygiene as are all pets recently i i, I got a dog for for those that follow gabe howard you you, you know that that i got a puppy about 9 months ago and i i love my puppy i'm i'm not an animal person and uh i violated one of my sleep hygiene rules that i made a long long time ago which is i i do let the dog sleep in bed with me and and so far i have not had any ill effects of this but if i did i would move the dog back to his previous sleeping place because getting sleep is so important We cannot stress enough how sleep factors into everything. And that's really one of the biggest takeaways that we want you to have. If you are getting good sleep and you are managing mental illness, you will manage it better. Mm -hmm. If you don't have mental illness, that's that's great. Most people don't have mental illness. Your mental health will be better. You'll be more productive in the morning. You'll be more alert. You'll be less likely to gain weight. You'll be less likely to wreck your car. You'll be less likely to be irritable. You hear that, Vin? You'll be less likely to be irritable.
2: They can't hear this, but I'm glaring at you. All right. Well, what else? What else should we do? One of the tips that I read was that when you set your alarm clock, you should keep it away from your bed. A lot of people are the snoozers. Hit the snooze button. Hit the snooze button. I am not that kind of person, so it's not an issue for me. My alarm goes off, I'm I'm up. But I knew somebody in college who had three alarm clocks. One was right next to her her bed on the nightstand which she would turn off and fall back asleep. The other one was across the room on her dresser, so she'd have to get out of bed, shut that one off, but then sometimes she'd still go back into bed and fall asleep. The third one was outside
1: her bedroom door. I assume that one did the trick. Much of what we've talked about are are people that don't have actual sleep disorders. We're just talking about, you know, regular people that just aren't respecting their body's need for sleep. But there's another entire category of people that have illnesses, things like narcolepsy, things like insomnia, uh, and and a whole host of other illnesses that prevent sleep. For example, I have sleep apnea. I, I sleep with a mask. But it, it's while it is annoying to sleep with a, a a mask, it is even more annoying to stop breathing in the middle of the night because right. then I'm not getting the good sleep that I need. And uh, well, it's sleep apnea
2: is is nasty in that you're waking up regularly throughout the night and you don't
1: even know it. You're waking up choking. You're not even just waking up. You're waking right. up because, because you stop you breathing. Can't breathe. Right. Uh, and of course, you you can die from it. Sleep apnea is very serious and. You know, we're, we're talking about sleep hygiene for the average person. Sleep hygiene to benefit our general health. Sleep hygiene for, you know, just general day to day life. But sleep is so important that it, it has illnesses as well. You know, just like skin is regular skin, but you can have a mole. Sleep is regular sleep, but you can have sleep disorders. There are sleep doctors, doctors who specialize in helping people get good sleep. If you've never had a sleep study, I, I highly recommend it just for the amusement factor. You you go into what they've set up to look like a bedroom in a sleep clinic, and they put about a hundred little electrodes all through your hair, all through your neck, under your nose, down your back, and they monitor things like breathing rate, heart rate, how often you wake up, do you snore, and they just... They just monitor all of that while you sleep and they use that information to decide if you are getting the appropriate amount and the appropriate quality of sleep and then they can diagnose you from there and get you the care that you need. And you find this amusing, you say. I, you know, I, the last time I had a sleep study was, I know I'm aging myself here, but it's long before cell phones had cameras, but I just wanted to take a picture so bad. I mean, I looked like, the bionic man with all of these electrodes coming out of my body. But all joking aside, it was absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. because in my mind, sleep is just something that you do, but there's an entire medical science, medical industry and people who do nothing but study sleep and why it is so important. And the day that I walked into that sleep clinic, I kind of thought it was stupid They are just like, hey, you're going to go sleep someplace, and they're going to tell you about your sleep. And I thought, well, that seems pointless. But it was anything but. And it allowed me to get better sleep. Again, it's when I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. It's when I got the CPAP machine. It's where I learned about sleep hygiene. And it is one of the core things that has allowed me to manage bipolar disorder uh, as well as I am able to do. When I don't sleep, I have problems. And problems are the number one thing that somebody living and managing bipolar disorder is trying to avoid. Indeed. Indeed. I hope
2: that this show has been helpful to people, because we've, we've put out a lot of stuff in, in a very short amount of time, and it, it's a lot to absorb. But I hope that, that our, our listeners have something to take away from it that's going to help them out.
1: If there's no other takeaway, it's that sleep is important. It's not something to be trifled with or taken for granted. We need sleep. It's how we recharge our batteries. Getting good sleep is just as important as putting gas in your car. Without gas, I don't care how great your car is, it's not going to run. Without proper sleep, I don't care how awesome you are, you're not going to run. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that I don't exercise enough and I don't eat right, but sleep is an easier thing to control. Believe me, I would rather get good sleep than spend an hour on a treadmill. And the bottom line is you need to do both. It's all part of a well-rounded lifestyle. So, Vin, do you have anything to take away before before we hop? No, I think we've covered it pretty well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And remember, you can get one week of convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Psych Central. Seven days free. It's online. They're licensed therapists and counselors, and it's fantastic. So please go ahead and check them out. We will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohol, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally